Peace and welcome. I'm super, super excited to converse with this young, dynamic powerhouse of a of a policymaker, of a um, of a of an educator, um, all around dope. You know, um, I love her spirit, and I'm excited to get into her story, Miss. Adoria Murray Thomas, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, brother. Appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I got an opportunity to cross paths with Adoria. I don't know if you were in the, were you at the Young Elected Officials Conference in Miami? No, I was. I was at Cube that was in Miami that I think was happening around the same time. Okay. Um, but no, I wasn't in. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you, you, well. I'll reserve my comments from YEO for <laughs> another I'm conversation. All right with that. Um, uh, but we've got to connect. We got a chance to connect, and I've got a chance to to hear um, Adorian and her perspective through an organization called School Board Partners. She serves on the Board of Education in Newark, New Jersey, um, which is a, a very, very interesting city. For oh moment. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I want to get into you know, her story, uh, her current focus on the Board of Education. We're at a very interesting time in our country right now, and I'm sure she has a lot of great insights on that. Uh, so let's just start with where you grew up. <laughs> Where'd you yeah. grow up? So I'm a diehard Newarker, born and raised here. Um, so I grew up in the South Ward of Newark, mighty, mighty, mighty South Ward. The folks from Newark will identify with that. Um, and yeah, I had an interesting story because even though I was born and raised here, I spent four of my pretty uh, critical years outside of Newark. I was a part of this program called the White Foundation that helped kids who were from Newark, kind of in this gifted and talented, if you will, uh, group, go to private boarding schools for high school. So I went for high school, I was all the way in Western Massachusetts, um, at a private boarding school for four years uh, and would often have to kind of alternate kind of being from like a very urban black and brown city to, you know, going to school in a predominantly white uh, private school in the middle of nowhere. But yeah, born and raised in North. Well, what's the name of the foundation or the organization that put that sent you out there? So the White Foundation, W-I-G-H-T. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I got a homie that works for them now. For real? Who? Yeah. <laughs> His name is Walden uh, Morrison. Okay. He's, he's actually, oh, he lives in, he's from Jersey, yeah. but I don't think he's from Newark. Okay. Um, I went to college in Western Mass. I went to Williams. Got so, it. It's, where, my college wasn't far from Williams. I mean, my high yeah. school. Yeah, where'd you go to high school? The Northfield Mount Hermon School. Okay. So we were really close to Amherst, actually. So like maybe Got 30 it. minutes from Amherst. Got it. Um, if I went to Amherst, I guess I would have beef with you because of yeah, your whole Williams yeah. thing, but it's all love. It's all love. <laughs> it's all love. It'll still be love. It'll still um, be love. Yeah. So all right. So you you went to you went to boarding school. What what was like the home situation? Like you got siblings. Like what? How'd you? What's your neighborhood like growing up? So it's funny. I'm the only child, both on my mom and my dad's side. But I grew up feeling like I had a bunch of siblings. So my mom, she was a public school teacher here in Newark and a social worker. So I had vivid memories of like days after school, going from school to like, you know, swim practice to the back of my mom's classroom, right? For her PTA meetings or going to school, her schools on Saturdays, or like literally just seeing her engage with our young people, right? So like literally she would teach from 
you know, around eight to three. And then from four to six, she's picking up her clients, many of whom were in foster care and taking them on different field trips, mentoring them, you know, being, being a social worker and me just like kind of in the backseat, soaking it all in. And so really kind of from an early age, before I was even aware of it, I was really kind of being groomed to know just how important it was to make sure that young people had a space to call their own, had somebody to believe in them, just by virtue of like being in my mom's backseat and in the back of her classroom. So yeah, I kind of just grew up with a lot of love, a lot of support, a lot of nurturing, and honestly, um, a lot of just what you would call a village. Um, you know, not only in seeing my mom be a village for people, but like having a village myself. When I was seven, my father, who actually immigrated here from Guyana, literally was gunned down on his way to go pay my school tuition. And so when that happened, as much as like everything changed, some things didn't change at all. Um, and one of those things that didn't change was this feeling that like I still had a place to call my own. I still had somebody who believed in me and loved me. And that was my mom and those are my teachers in my school. And so it was interesting how, how like in the midst of all of that craziness, there were these stabilizers that, you know, allowed me to really stay um, in a path that really kind of brought me to where I am today, right? Somebody who is not um, a stranger to trauma, but also knows what happens when you give young people those supports uh, to be able to self-actualize in the midst of everything going on. Yeah, that's heavy. I didn't know about that. Yeah, um, yeah. That must have been like, man. Um, well, so what? What happened? Essentially, like, was it? Was it go ahead. Yeah. So it was essentially, um, at least from you know what what I know, it was just like a robbery, right? Um, so he, like many Caribbean immigrants, he had like five jobs. Uh, but at, at one point, you know, he worked his way up to literally be able to own his own store, and so he owned a store like literally about two or so blocks from my house um and yeah he was like I, at the time I went to a, a small all-black private school in Newark and so like I always tell people like I grew up in school like in elementary not even saying the American um the, the American kind of flag salute like I was the Pledge of Allegiance see look I'm like I don't remember what it is sometimes the school board being a board member now I know what it is but before then I didn't know <laughs> and like seriously because we would literally sing, lift every voice and sing every morning uh, at that school. But at any rate, I went to different elementary. Um, and, you know, my mom said that he was literally, like, leaving his store on his way to go pay my tuition for that school and was gunned down literally right there. Um, funny enough, I, like, literally, I had never been to the exact spot where he was killed my whole life mm -hmm. until last year. And of all moments, it was during my campaign for school board. Mm -hmm. I literally had to go into this church, um, you know, campaigning. And my mom said, this spot right here, like, is this tree stump right outside the church. She's like, this is, this is where your father was killed. And so it's interesting how, like, my story into the work of education, into the work of youth development, a lot of it started from, like, that tree stump, right? Like, it was from me kind of going through all of these things, but still being able to thrive and graduate high school and graduate college, and right? Like, because I had these support systems in place, because I had a, a, a place where I knew that even though things were chaotic and messy, if I used my voice as a young person, I could make a difference. Because I had that knowledge instilled in me from a young age, um, it really kind of shifted my trajectory. Mm -hmm. You think about it, I mean, gun violence, 
in cities like Newark isn't something that's uncommon, right? Like there are a lot of young people who lose loved ones to violence. So in a lot of ways, my story isn't particularly foreign. I think one of the things that is uncommon, well, I wouldn't say necessarily uncommon, but one of the things that there needs to be more of is just those support systems for young people when mm -hmm. trauma happens. And so I try to embed that work into that, that mission into the work I do now as a board member, um, and then the organization that I started, Four Girls Who Are Affected by Violence. Um, but yeah, we have to kind of move from that space of like, this is personal, <laughs> right? Like the work has to be personal. Yeah, I mean, it's this, you touched on so many things I want to dig into. I want to get into your campaign. I want to get into your organization. I want to get into your college experience. Um, yeah. And I, I want to mention this only because uh, I, th I think it's inspiring because you're actually, how you're, you're, you're a young elected official, right? Yeah, so I just turned 25 last month. Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Out here, officially mid-20s, okay. officially. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, hey, let me, let me tell you what I was doing at 25. <laughs> <laughs> That's another podcast, another podcast. Yeah, yeah, nothing I want to share publicly. So I'm 35, I got a decade on you, right? And when I when I first ran, I was 28. Um, when I... People recruited me to run when I was 25, and I thought mm -hmm. I was too young. And and you you won before 25, right? Like how long you been? Yeah, I I won. I was 23. Okay. Yeah, I was like two months away from no, about like about like a month and a half away from turning 24. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so so you know, I actually had uh, a mentor of mine, a woman named Kim Cherie, that convinced me that I had the qualifications to run because I felt very uh I felt very like inadequate and unsure about running at a young age and right. um and so it'd be great to kind of get into like what led you to make that decision what was going on in your life and, and all of that um we will we should get into that did you win on your first race was this your first time running yeah it was my first race and, and yeah. I won um I was the highest vote getter in the election too is it is yeah. it district seats or citywide? Um, so it's all citywide. So it's all at large positions here in Newark. Um, yeah. And so yeah, there three there were three positions open when I was running, um, and they're all at large. Yeah. Okay. 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 So before we do that, though, where, where'd you go to college? So I went to Swarthmore College. So another oh, small liberal arts. Okay. Okay. Liberal arts cousin um, <laughs> outside of Philly. We try to claim outside of Philly, but we really weren't Philly. Yeah. It's the but, suburbs. You, but you're way too cool to have gone to Swarthmore. Thank the you. So, that means uh, a lot to me. No, I love my Swatties. <laughs> uh, Swarthmore is like one of the oddest, but most beautiful yeah. places ever. And I had an amazing experience and like really unique, right? Like I was the co-president of our the Swarthmore African American Student Society while also being on varsity lacrosse, while mm -hmm. also being in like the Swarthmore Christian Society. So I like was in so many different niches at the school, which is like the quintessential liberal arts experience. Like, let me do a little bit of everything yeah. and like take this all in. But no, yeah, thanks. Well, it was dope. Yeah. It was fun. Lacrosse, uh, that, that ain't nothing to play around with. That's a that's rough. That's a rough. It's sport. not. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm telling you. So in Newark, like no one plays lacrosse. If I told you I went to the boarding school for high school and I come there and all my good friends are playing lacrosse, I'm like, well, let me try this out. Mm -hmm. I tried it out, loved it, and I walked on to the lacrosse team and SWAT. And, um, are, are you in grad school now, too, or no? No, I'm not in grad school okay. right now, um, but probably will be within the next couple of years. I'm just kind of okay. thinking about what pathway I want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, for some reason, I thought you 
like when I was in college, there were this the students I went to college with, and I was like, oh, they getting a PhD. They didn't. <laughs> I, I was like, the, and that's what you are. It's like, oh, she get a PhD, the PhD. Wait, <laughs> I'm crying because I'm literally in a group chat with like three of my friends the other day. We're all talking about, all right, y'all, next year. We're applying oh, for our PAZ programs. <laughs> like, we're like trying to decide what programs we want to do. So I need you to get out my whole head because yeah. uh, I am interested in like kind of doing the research, but also doing the practice about what makes this work work. So mm-hmm. that, I'm just funny you peep that. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I think, I think it's great too. I think like um, those a- academic pursuits exist for people that are really passionate about like getting into the research. A lot of people come into the the working world thinking about a, a, like a, a, another degree as leverage you know right. but, but I always see the PhD the people who I picked that up from sure. like you know that's like oh you need to be doing that that's something that like and, you know you're doing it for the right reasons you know yeah so, so I actually didn't know I thought you were already in the program but it doesn't surprise me that that's what's something that you're also going to take on that's dope thank you brother I'm gonna claim that give me that energy so I can get into these programs yeah, when I do yours. apply that's right. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> it's all yours. They'd be lucky to have you. Swarthmore grad, school board member, you know, yeah. all around rock star. So you're you going to write my applications, right? You're going to write the applications? You're going to help write the applications? Cause you, I mean, you don't want me writing for you, trust me. You probably, I'm saying, because I got to start taking notes. You out here outlining the points for me. My bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, the school you went to, too. I had another guest on the podcast uh, from Philly. And he, but he, he runs a, he's a vice president at a, at a charter school. They talked a lot about the Afrocentric mm. uh, curriculum that they have. And you mentioned your, uh, your private school. We have one similar to here in Oakland that yeah. I don't know a ton about. But okay. one of the things on the school board that I really want to push before I go is um, trying to implement, uh, you know, a more Afrocentric focus on how we talk about history and all the things that influence Western society, because a lot of it yeah. came from the continent. Um, I mentioned the school that you went to and uh, a little bit about, a little more about what that was like. So I went to the Chad School, okay. which was named, I believe, actually after the, the country, Chad of Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it's pretty fascinating. I didn't know this at the time, but the school was really one of its first of its kind in the state of New Jersey. Um, so we called all of our teachers, Brother uh, Lawrence or Brother this or Sister Paula, like those are actually some of the names of my teachers. Like we never called them Mr. or Mr., right? Or Mrs. We started a day with Lift Every Voice and Sing and the African Pledge, which I used to know by heart years ago. I, I don't anymore the African Pledge. I do know Lift Every Voice, Lift Every Voice and Sing now. Um, you know, we had, you know, I remember I just have a bunch of school pictures and like kente cloth outfits from like socials and dances kind of celebrating uh, the beautiful kind of layers of the African continent. Um, And again, that was embedded in the culture and curriculum as well, right? So we learned about African American history and the diaspora. And like, again, from K through eight, which is insane. so this, the, the foundation right now, so unfortunately the school ended up closing kind of right around when I left, um, which was in 04. Um, but right now there's still a foundation that does some really incredible uh, work in terms of scholarships for students. I think they're working on a charter right now to start a school in the fall, but it really was kind of unique um, in terms of like what they were doing. Fun fact, 
Michael B. Jordan, who was born and raised in Newark. Ooh, ooh. Um, he also went to the Chad School, and and his and his brother did too. Um, and I think he's actually doing some really dope work with the foundation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point about like what does that look like today, right? Um, I think that obviously there's a lot of great work happening across the country. In New Jersey, what's really interesting, we've had a law on the book since 2002 called the Amistad Act. And what the Amistad Act does is actually mandate that every school district in the state of New Jersey teach African-American history and the history of the African diaspora. Um, Funny enough, again, I didn't know this as a kid at the Chad School, but the person who uh, founded the Chad School, Mr. Payne, who used to be a state senator, also wrote that legislation in 2002 of the Amistad Act. Um, And so right now as a board member, one of the work that that I've been really passionate about and I'm working with other board members and district staff on is really making sure that this piece of legislation that's been on the books for almost 20 years is actually being implemented. Um, Currently across the district, there's some there's, there, there is implementation, but in terms of what that looks like comprehensively, district-wide, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, but we've been assembling a team and, you know, we're working on policy to make sure this stuff happens because we know that when young people know who they are and when they know the history of other people in their communities, uh, it adds to not only their self-esteem and self-confidence, but just like their cultural literacy and how they navigate the world in the workplace. So I'm glad to see that a lot more districts are going in this direction of culturally responsive pedagogy and curriculum. Now those are like the proper kind of terms for it, right? Mm -hmm. But a lot of folks have been doing this work for years and now it's about time for us to keep uh, pushing the ball on that. All right, so you're 23, you're fresh out of college, you're like, I'm running for office, you know? That's probably not how it happened, but what happened? (laughs) (laughs) So like, you finish school, uh, you you know, like laid out. I'm, I'm interested. What happened? <laughs> so it's so literally like I finished school in 2016. Um, I majored in political science and educational studies. I would be like that one person who actually ends up doing work almost exactly aligned with their major, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and while I was in college, I started my organization, She Wins, which is a mentorship and leadership organization for young women, founded for girls affected by violence, but today has reached over 500 girls, really from a range of stories all connected to sisterhood, self-actualization and service, right? Really creating this space for for young women that's critical, but that's also healing. And so I'm I'm running that when I graduate while also working for this other really incredible organization that's serving young people who are at risk in the city of Newark who had either dropped out of high school or at risk of dropping out. Um, And we're getting them back in school, right? For kids who are on long-term suspension in districts, we're getting them like, we're, I'm, I'm helping run restorative justice interventions. So I'm literally doing like a thousand things at once at like 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And then a year and a half into doing that, you know, folks in the city who are kind of interested in getting young voices that are new, that are fresh, that are committed to like actual young people reach out to me. And they're like, look, I think that you would be a great candidate for a school board. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> like um, I, I do what I do in my lane for my kids, for my young people, and that's that, right? Like, and I'm sure say with you, like, I never necessarily saw myself in politics because, like, politics per se wasn't the goal, right? The goal was the work. 
Um, what was interesting though, in the more conversations that I had and the mayor in particular, our incredible mayor here in the city, Mayor Baraka, he really helped me see that politics can be the means for which you do the work, right? So it's, it's about a means to an end, right? So the end doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, I wanna be in elected office, but if the end is impact, one means to making that impact on your city, on your community, is through the school board. Um, I thought about all the kids I knew growing up who are just as smart as me, just as talented as me, but didn't graduate high school or didn't go to college. Not because they didn't have the gifts, but just because they didn't have the opportunities. And I said, you know what, this is something that I could do and that I have to do. And so I did. Um, and I, I ran and I was lucky enough to be supported by some um, really incredible people um, here in the city. I also had some naysayers too, people who said, this girl is too young. Um, I literally remember somebody said this, this is like on Facebook, she was like, how she going to be on the school board advocating for kids and then she don't even got no kids? I'm like, well, well hold on now. I just, am I supposed to, like, am I supposed to, like, is that what, is that a prerequisite? And so, although, you know, you have those kind of naysayers sometimes, but overall, it was a really incredible um, amount of support that I got from people. Man, my young people were on my campaign with me. Listen, my, my executive assistant during my campaign was my 16-year-old mentee. Mm -hmm. Right. Going with me, knocking on doors, stopping at bus stops, knocking churches, going at the churches, talking to folks. So it was a really beautiful experience that kind of was full circle in a lot of ways for me. So so Ross Baraka, I want to come back to him because yes, um, I, I met his father. He came up to Mary Baraka, came up to uh, oh to Williams. And it was, yeah. it was like, you know, it was a, a, an amazing experience for me. For sure. And and the last poet laureate in New Jersey. That's right. That's right. Okay, you know your stuff. That's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, we find yeah. now out. The Baraka family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the odd thing is that I I got introduced to them through the uh, through the opposition they came at with to Cory Booker. You know, mm. because like being a young person in politics, and I was like, oh, why would you hate on Booker? Right. And then, right. <laughs> and then I heard their perspective, and I was like, oh, and and in Baraka's, you know, Amiri's Baraka's history. Um, mm. Uh, but the mechanics of the race, right? Yeah. Um, because the, you know, we, we, we all love underdog newcomer, like winning, getting a W from hometown hero, like right. love that story. Um, but then there's all of the, the actual, you know, political work, right? Right. Um, what was, what did, did you have like fundraising goals? Did you have to do that? Yeah. So I, absolutely had to fundraise um you know i and i reached out to everybody right like folks from elementary middle aunties uncles college network high school network and i was lucky to really get that support um i think that people really want to be a part of something right everybody has a desire to be a part of something especially when they feel like it's you know someone who they know is like in it for the right reasons and so i was really privileged to have at 23 years old had a reputation um, that of for people like knowing what I stood for and knowing what I was about. You know, I started She Wins when I was 19 um, with like very little money or funding from the program. And like we literally started in the back of a, you know, small recreation center in the middle of North. Shout out to OB, Ovalage Baraka. Actually, it was funny enough, like, so he was, he's of the older brother of Mayor Baraka. I had no idea of like the politics at that time. But like, if it wasn't for him being like, okay, this girl has this plan and this group, I'm gonna get her a space. 
she once wouldn't even exist today, right? Because there's a people who this Newark is like the largest city in the North in the city state of New Jersey, but it's a city where people really look out for each other. The people believe in young people, so I was lucky to have that support both at a young age and throughout my campaign. Um, and so yeah, I was knocking on doors, fundraising, doing the whole nine. And again, I was also lucky to have that support. Um, you know, a lot of people come back to their cities after graduating high school or graduating college and want to give back and then don't have the space to do it, right? In this country, we talk a, a good game about, yeah, we care about young people. We want young people to have a seat at the table, but then we shut them out of all the doors and, and, and spaces for actual, to actually gain power. Um, I was lucky enough to not be in that position, right? Uh, Mayor, the Mayor Baraka, he ran like five, six, eight times for council and stuff in the past, and they didn't let him in. They're like, this young boy is too radical. We don't want him in this seat. Um, and so, again, there's like this really beautiful kind of uh, enclave or kind of cohort of young people in the city of Newark, like myself, who want to give back, who are knocking on doors to get a seat at the table, and who have a political infrastructure that's responsive and open enough to say, I believe in passing the torch to the next generation. Let me help this young person do do the work that they're passionate about. And so, yeah, I, I ran and I, you know, I made history as the youngest woman ever elected to be a, to the school board. Um, but I didn't do it alone, right? I had an incredible group of young people who were working for me and volunteering in my campaign after school, literally coming to the campaign headquarters in their school uniforms. I had aunties and uncles. Um, of my family and who weren't in my family, you know, dialing phone numbers and canvassing and knocking on doors for me. So it was a beautiful kind of experience of being supported by the village, both the village that is within the political infrastructure, right, which always has its complications and nuances, but also just the everyday folk, um, the mothers, daughters, sisters, brothers who just wanted to support this, this daughter of their city. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel your conviction, and I and I sense the the deep um, support around your decision. And uh, I appreciate one, that. One one of the one of the obstacles, it's like one of the mindset obstacles, I think, with people breaking into politics is uh, having to ask people for things that mm. it being public facing and the amount of rejection um, that comes into the in the political process. That's and, right. Um, so like I, I lost my first race and um and i and i was like i think throughout that process running um i went back and forth between like i'm definitely gonna win i'm definitely yeah. gonna lose <laughs> like i don't feel like doing it today i don't feel like calling yeah. this person right now yeah and so you know there are people that are thinking about running for office and they're thinking about doing it like at the age that you started doing it yeah like what what would be the the most important thing what, what would be a piece of advice you would share with them can i flip that on you real quick and then i want to answer it because i'm curious like how did you <laughs> bounce back and, and I'm, I'm gonna answer it but like in mm -hmm. a nutshell like how did you bounce back from that because that's real well yeah i actually and i actually just ended a campaign which is another mm -hmm. type of uh i would say uh, a failure you know mm. like, losing is surreal you know yeah <laughs> i yeah. was just like damn did i really just lose the campaign yeah um, and so you're there with people and I, you know, I, I was just kind of there. Like, I wish I had um, more insight or better words to say, even to the people that I kind of been on a journey with me. Mm -hmm. But the, um, the impression that we made was, uh, it, it turned a lot of heads because, mm -hmm. 
because I was like all over the place. And, um, you know, I was like, I was, com I was completely obsessed with the race. Right. And I ended up losing by less than 1% of the vote. And, and, you know, my, my second time around, I had started running an organization um, and, you know, we had employees and I had, and it was expensive and payroll. I ran, I ran a nonprofit. And so oh. my second race, you know, I had made all the political connections, but my energy wasn't the same as organization. Right. Um, and so the, the second race was very different. And, uh, and so that's, that's sort of like the, the bounce back was kind of like, um, I think at the end of 2014, when I first ran and lost, I thought I wasn't sure if I'd be back, you know? Mm. And then um, over the course of, then I got the new position and over the course of like sort of the end of 26, to end of 2015, um, I started to get a new energy around uh, addressing all these systemic issues that, you know, was the reason that I started to run in the first place. Yeah. And I definitely felt like there was some undone, you know, undone work to do. Mm. So all of that propelled me, um, but it, it wasn't like I didn't lose and immediately think I'm running again. You know, it took like it took like six or seven months before I was back into a place where I wanted to do it again. That resonates with me because, I mean, I even think from, you know, being in the position now. So having been here for a year, right, uh, in, in, elect, in, in elected office, a school board member. And I wonder if you've had a similar experience you know, I think about all the great work that has gone into this past year, the conversations that I've had, the young people I've engaged with, the policies I've pushed for, the programs I've pushed for. And then I think about how big and deep and messy the issues really are. And in the grand scheme of things, how insignificant, you know, this one year could have been compared to how big uh, and nuanced the issues are. And so, you know, I've been spending a lot of time just kind of like reflecting on this past year. Um, and while I do feel like um, it, it wasn't success, I also question the ways in which it could be better, right? And not necessarily comparing it to like a failure, but I think if we're going to use that analogy, like I think that if we're really honest with ourselves and we're introspective, there's always a way in which it's like, yeah, like, I could have done more, right? And I'm thinking about my year, right? You know, and obviously, when you ran for your campaign, you did everything you could, right? Um, but when I look in this past year, I think, like, there's there's more I could have done. There's more we could have done as a board. There's still more we have to do. And so while I don't look at it as a failure, per se, or, a, you know, kind of a loss, I do look at it as, like, yeah, like, this hit. This hit. Like, I'm not just like patting myself on the back for the fact that I got elected. Like I'm keeping it a hundred with myself about like, we have more work to do. So I feel that energy of like, yes, this was tough, but I'm, I'm charged up to come back. And even if it takes, you know, some pushing and some time, like we got to come back and we got to get this right. And the pandemic is like a really interesting way too. Cause I feel like it had us all just have to sit down and sit with ourselves and be like, yeah, like what more can we do? How can we, and what, in what ways have we been complicit even, 
even in our good intentions, right? And even in working our best, is there a way that we that we miss the mark and how can we come back stronger from that? So yeah, this idea of like just kind of looking back to better position us for what's to come forward resonates with me. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. I know it's your podcast, not mine, but um, <laughs> yeah, we started this before we started the podcast. You was asking me all the questions and I was like, I know. Oh. This is no interview, man. You should, maybe you should do a podcast. You should definitely. I, maybe I gotta hit you up on that. <laughs> um, well, the yeah, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think I think about my time on the board too, and uh, I definitely have developed some opinions about the process. I think that the people that you know, I do, I do think it takes time, mm-hmm. which is just like a cold, unfortunate part, given right. the urgency of the and the scale of the issues that you're talking about. And it really does take a, a like a deep, deep um, focus on understanding the system, which is, right. which is one of the things that I, I think is good about school board partners at giving people the space and kind of elevating um, the, the need to do that. And, and I think my biggest objection with the system is that uh, its first priority is to protect itself at the expense of the kids that it serves. And so if, and so one of the things about the podcast that I, that I appreciate, I always think about like, you know, what really inspired me the most, you know, like, mm-hmm. like it was, it was like people's stories, you know, people's stories are more, are more relationship with a person. Mm. A policy never inspired me. What contribution can I make to put stuff in the universe that can help uplift people? It's like elevating people like you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, people thinking about, well, wh- wh- what is my purpose? Like, like well, I, I live in a city that has issues. Right. And oh, am I qualified? Well, mm. <laughs> I, I, I'm from the I'm from the community. Like, you know, so hearing, hearing you take on this work, what it meant for you to do it when you started to do it. I mean, you started to do it even before you got elected. Right. Like right. being a presence, uh, being a resource. And then now transitioning into this place where you have to govern, going through the political process, which is not easy. And then uh, now you have to govern, which is like not easy and it takes time. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think like elevating people like you is, uh, is, I mean, I should do it. A lot of people should be doing it. Like, we, you know, we all should know your story and, and, That's and right. you know, um, so now you're, you're, you are on the boards your second year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and I wanted to get into new all right, so the the and you're doing it in Newark, which right. in, in a state called Jersey, which like has such a history of mm. like vicious politics, you know, corruption, mm. like like Jersey all of that. is like crazy, right? All so of Francisco that has this stuff too. I'm not like, you know. Um and, and politics comes with that. Um what is the climate right now uh, in the city around, you know, the relationship with the mayor, uh, mm. the relationship with the council, the city council, and how you, the board of education mixes with all of that? <laughs> oh, that's good, man. I mean, I think it depends. <laughs> Listen, it, it depends on who you ask, right? Mm-hmm. So if you ask the people who are of the systems, right, all as well. Um, sure, there are factions and there's um, disagreement, but if you ask the people who are in positions of power, I think that folks would say um, that there's, there is a pretty good kind of like symbiosis in terms of how everyone is engaging. 
But I think that, you know, if you ask these young brothers and sisters out here who can't get a job even before the pandemic, right, or who graduated from our schools and had to take remedial classes at college, um, I think they'll say that all is not well and that there is a lot of work to do. Um, on the political kind of space, I think that, you know, there we have a really kind of incredible anchoring leadership in Maya Baraka, um, a brother who started in this work as an organizer, a teacher, a principal, way before he even entered politics. And he brings that energy of genuine care and commitment to the young people and the people of the city into City Hall. Right. And just by nature, the nature of having someone like that in the mayoral office, you kind of elevate the conversation. So you naturally elevate the conversation that the city council is having or the conversation that folks are your midst are having when you come into the space um, for, for the sake of being there for the real work. Um, that said, I mean, that doesn't mean that you know he doesn't run into roadblocks that are bigger than him, right? Like trying to having a mayor who is passionate and skillful and knows the work try to tackle 50 60 years of racism embedded in the north police department right or systematic uh poverty and disenfranchisement and unemployment that has staggered uh this city you know one man can't fix all that right um and so i think that there is a real push that's coming from the people of this city, the parents, the young people, the organizers, to say, look, we need more. Um, and yes, we have a city council that's all black and brown. Um, and there are amazing people in the city council who I know. Yes, we have a mayor who is amazing, who knows this work, but there still is a lot of work to do. And I will hold you accountable as elected officials to do that work. And those same people come to our board meetings as school board members, right? They sign up for public participation and sometimes they express their opinions nicely and sometimes they don't and i'm okay with that like i'm okay with the amicable concerns and the ones that are pissed off and that are filled with rage because you, th this problem should make us angry these problems should make us out of to speak at school board meetings and council meetings and and, and whatnot and so yeah i think that on in the broad sense we do have that representation in our political system of progressive values, but we know that representation without accountability cannot create liberation. You have to have accountability from the public, and we have a lot of that happening now. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead. You have more? No, no, no. I was just going <laughs> to say, and you probably can attest to this, it's just interesting being on the other side, right? So to kind of have this dual tension between being that person who's used to being on the ground as an organizer or, or a direct service provider, and now also being a part of the, the body that helps make decisions that affect the change that you were once trying to influence from the other side. And so it's a really kind of interesting duality to, 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 to sit in. Um, and I, to me, it just makes me, it holds me more accountable because I know that like, I'm, I'm not here for anything else but for the work. And if I ever remove that sense of purpose, then what am I really doing, right? Like if I don't remind myself of why I ran and who I ran with and who I ran for and who voted for me, who got up out their bed that day to vote for me, then what am I doing here? And we have to always kind of carry that weight of this work um, as we navigate being school members or whatever, you know, elected official position. Yeah, and that's definitely a type of, um, I think, perspective 
you should hold if 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 you're gonna just remain like on top of the work you know um, right yeah the you know we're so i mentioned a little bit about the, about the climate that we're in so um we all had to transition into shelter in place um the murder of george floyd happened mm. um and you know san francisco is uh it, it it grapples with a lot of issues around our our vast like income uh uh disparity right um, and the amount of homelessness on the streets uh we we sort of this poster child for gentrification mm -hmm. was at 1.17 percent black now we say we're like three percent you know um newark as you mentioned uh, is it has all leadership of color, uh, you know, like, um, and so the, the context, right? Like I, yeah. I, I was hoping you could paint a, a brief picture of like what this transition has been like and how the city is responding to the murder of George Floyd. Yeah, so just a few weeks ago, we had a protest organized by a, a group of organizers here in the city who've been organized for a long time in solidarity with George Floyd, Amar Arbery, Brown and Taylor. I mean, we know the list goes on. Um, we had the largest protest in the state of New Jersey, around over 12,000 folks came out. Um, and what was interesting is that there were like two protests that happened, right? So was, there was a protest that happened during the day, over 12,000 people, folks from all over the state, a lot of people from New York, a lot of people weren't. And then at the end of the night, um, there was, somehow like kind of word got around about this precinct that wasn't too far from where the peaceful protests that happened earlier. So folks, and I was at, I was at both. I was at the peaceful rally and then I was at the other thing. Um, and so the one that happened around the precinct was like kind of like a different energy. Um, you know, folks were busting out the wheels of the, the police cars and there were rumors about folks trying to set fire to the precinct. And so, whereas earlier in the rally, um, the North Police Department came out uh, with no kind of riot gear, just kind of regular kind of protests. At the precinct though, they came out in riot gear. It was an entirely different energy. Um, and, and why do I bring this up? What's interesting is that I was talking to some of the young people who were like really riled up at, outside the precinct. And I was like, all right, so like, what are you frustrated about? And they were telling me all the things. I'm like, all right, so what are we trying to do here? Like, we here outside this precinct, y'all shutting this whole block down. Okay, cool, what, what are we trying to do? What are our demands? I didn't hear anything. And I said, okay, okay, okay. And I said, do you know where we are? And they said, no, what? I said, we are at the precinct that 50 years ago, a man was literally beaten halfway to death right outside this precinct. And right after that happened, hundreds of people came together and gather and organize and demanded that he be taken out the precinct. And then one thing led to another, the police started attacking the protesters, protesters responded, and one of the largest rebellions of the 60s happened right here on this very block 50 years ago. Did you know that? I said, no, I didn't know that. And so 50 years later, we are where we are now, right? We have a city that Overall, our police department is not exactly like it was 50 years ago, uh, but it has a lot, it got a lot of issues. What I'll say is that our, our mayor, you know, um, he's been working really hard at holding the, the city accountable. We had the uh, consent decree that was passed under uh, President Obama a few years ago. So there's a lot of things that the police department is doing to get better, but that is not without 
the organizing of people from the community holding them accountable. Um, so there's a lot of work that needs to be done, um, even in North Public Schools. You know, like one of the questions that I'm always asking is, why are we suspending students so much? And what can we do to suspend students less so they have more times in the schools and not outside of the schools on the street, right? Um, and so there are a lot of ways in which the school to prison pipeline is being fueled not only from within the school buildings, but in the ways that our communities are policed, right? The list really goes on. I'll say that the climate overall um, really is ripe for change. And the rallies that we had a few weeks ago in solidarity, while it, you know, it, it made headlines across the country as like, you know, peaceful protest. And while that's important, it's not, it hasn't been the pinnacle of the work in Newark. Because um, you know, this work that we've been doing, it's been happening for a long, long time. Um, I think that we are in a better position though to actually actualize some of this change. But it's not gonna happen unless we put the voices of the people, the voices of young people, at the center. Yeah, last night our, our board uh, unanimously voted to cut ties with our local police department. Mm. A few years ago, we, we passed a resolution focused on um, alternatives to suspensions. Yeah. The implementation of that has been very suspect, but I'm gonna right. send you uh, both those resolutions so you can take a look at them. Please do, please do. So we reached the, the end of our uh, scheduled time. Um, right. How can people get a hold of you if they wanna learn more about you? We're millennials, right? So we're on all the platforms. So, you know, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, my Instagram is at Adorian for Newark. My Twitter is the same. Um, and then also email. But yeah, I'm, I'm always down to have these conversations. And just want to like shout out you real quick, because I know you are doing incredible work in so many different spaces. Um, and it feels really, I feel really privileged just to share space with you. And I appreciate you sharing a space for me. Um, you use the words earlier, you know, it's your job to kind of help elevate the voices of like folks like me, but man, like, I'm so glad that like you are being elevated because you like really care about bringing our community and bringing this work forward. Um, so again, it's an honor to share space with you. And yeah, I guess the only thing, other thing I'll say is that we all just have to do our part, right? Like, we all have to elevate each other and we have to elevate the next generation of young people coming up after us. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here and love to keep the conversation going. So if anyone wants to reach out, I'm, I'm down to talk because we all got a lot of work to do. <laughs> and, we gotta, and we do it better when we do it together. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Preach it. Uh, sister, sister Dorian. Um, okay, Brother Cook. <laughs> youngest elected official, female elected official in the history of the city of Newark on the Board of Education. Um, you know, doing her thing, inspiring all of us. Thank you. Thank you. Peace, peace, and be out.